Hello everyone, you're welcome once again to yet another episode of Ugo's Take and this is the second episode of the show. Um, I'm doing this on Facebook Live, so if you're on Facebook, you can come up and join me and um, give up, give your comments, ask your questions and just generally have a discussion uh, with me as the podcast is going on. And today... Admittedly, I'll be focusing mainly on sporting topics, but before I go into the, um, I said the pictorial sporting topics and teams that I'll be discussing into this episode, I would like to first off start with the the issue about the vaccine because no COVID COVID nineteen has been here for uh, the better part of this year since February so it's been here for like 10 months and it doesn't seem to be going away it's really affected our lives in ways that we wouldn't really have imagined at the beginning of of this year Uh, uh, so most people working from home uh, some are followed not able to work you know many people have been sick as well as a result of um, COVID-19 related infections and ailments and things like that. But there's some good news. I'm sure um, most of us have heard it. Most of us have got wind of the news. You must have seen it on Sky Sports News or on BBC or on um, any channel, ITV, whatever channel or via YouTube clips, you possibly would have seen it. So, or heard it at least. So Pfizer and BioNTech have come up with a vaccine. Are reported to be a, between 90 and 97 percent effective that's what we get that's the the, the news we get that's the story we have coming out of um of the authorities you know so that's good news it's very good news because anything that can at least ameliorate or reduce the suffering that people may may be going through as a result of covid is always a welcome it's always welcome you know, and kudos to the researchers that are putting time, they're putting effort, to spend money to ensure that um, the vaccine um, has come to be relatively quickly. Because usually vaccines take maybe two, have a two, three year um, gestation period, a period where they do trial runs, testing it. And, you know, so on the flip side, you may say, um, we, we're having this vaccine so early. How certain are the authorities, how certain are people um, that these vaccines would indeed be effective? You know, but I'm guessing at this point, we just have to take um, the word of the authorities for it at this point. Um, But then there's a question that springs to mind because Matt Hancock, the health health secretary uh, in the United Kingdom, said while he was talking about the drug, the, the vaccine, and he's made, he said it was ready for rollouts, it was ready to be rolled out, something cropped up because he was speaking to Sky Sports, sorry, to Sky News, and it came up. And he said the vaccine can 96% or 97% prevent someone who has been vaccinated from getting ill due to covid or getting infected by covid 
Now the question and then the problem then is the flip side to it is that the vaccine the vaccine doesn't prevent people who have been vaccinated from transmitting the disease that at least the health officials or researchers aren't sure you know so he's not saying for certain that it wouldn't prevent but he's saying they're not sure and they have to roll it out and then to, to the mass market and then find out thereof or they're from rather so this then begs the question is this going to mean people are going to be forced into taking the vaccines everyone will have everyone take the vaccines because we have people who say up to this point that covid is non-existent the people who say covid is a manipulation by the government you know who say covid doesn't exist that the numbers of who have died are just made up i think they are wrong i think they are very wrong and dangerously wrong but that's their opinion that's their mindset so what if such people decide look i'm not going to take this vaccine so if someone takes a vaccine and is healthy and is not feeling sick but has the covid infection does it go on to affect or make someone else sick so um, we're just hoping that is that the the these fears are laid when the vaccine is put out is rolled out you know that at least it prevents you from transmitting the ailment to other people because that would be that would just be super and i was flowing from this still on the covid19 topic parts of england are going to tier three lockdown like in leeds like in manchester you know so and it's very, very strict very restrictive um lockdown measures so still same thing you have to be at home work from home if you can and only go to work if you desperately have to if you can't do uh, what you do at your office at home then you can go and go to uh, your physical office and get your job done there then again there's also the issue of your shopping is limited you can only go for essential items that's i.e food or healthcare no little drugs and stuff like that you may need for your children like cold medicines medicine and things like that you know a panadol paracetamol and maybe your essentials for your personal hygiene like your soap and your body sprays and things like that maybe you know so there are things you can do at this point so um and when you go out you must wear your mask you must wear your mask and with tier three i don't think this is like fitness um centers will be open <laughs> that's something that's really affected me because i have a gym membership and i always like to go to the gym as often as possible but with the restrictions on the gyms uh, and other health and fitness centers then we have to find ways to work out from home um if you're watching this live you or you're watching on facebook facebook live um please endeavor to put send your comments in and let's have a discussion as this is going on so um i'm not going to spend so much time anymore on this topic but just remain safe 
whatever you think is going on just follow the principles the policies procedures set out by the authorities by the government and be safe it's better to be safe than sorry it's better to be safe and be at home and say oh they played us you know they really played us come on i can't believe they deceived us better to be home safe after a couple of maybe by the end of the year everything dies down because oh they really played us but you were safe so it's better to be in that position than you go out thinking oh everything is a-okay and nothing's going to happen and unfortunately something bad happens and then you uh, uh you're in a spot of bother so that's my advice with respect to this so we're moving on straight up to the main topics or should i say the main segment maybe now we're talking sports especially football now we're reacting to stuff that happened in champions league not everything because i'm just talking about stuff that actually i'm going i find interesting and to talk about with respect to the UEFA champions league and i'll be trying to give predictions to uh, with respect to the games that will be played this weekend or at least to some of the games that we played this weekend first off let's go into the champions league now when the draws were made if you're listening to an episode of my podcast when draws were made we had real madrid we had inter milan and we had Shak- we had Borussia Mönchengladbach and we had Shakhtar Donetsk usually when you see any sort of group whether you go for Champions League or Europa League or even if it's an international friendly you know not international friendly sorry even if it's a preseason friendly and you see that group you immediately know think to yourself Real Madrid Inter Milan would qualify you know, possibly with Real Madrid topping the group and then Inter Milan coming up second. And then if there's any upset, maybe Inter Milan beats Real Madrid to top the group and Real Madrid are disappointed and qualify as runners-up in the group. But no, 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 <laughs> not this season. Not this season. If you thought that Real Madrid would have it all your own way, like I did, then you are 100% wrong. <laughs> 100% wrong, and I'm sure um, if you watch the Champions League games we were played um, on Tuesday and on Wednesday, I'm sure you'll be scratching your head asking what's going on. Real Madrid is nothing new. They've been struggling in in La Liga. You know, then they fought on the table, and Real Sociedad topping the league. You know, topping the league at this point, and Real Madrid, you know is fought and Zidane has come up to say he's not going to resign you know he's going to keep at it he's going to try to play and then well he asked me why is he going to resign and I don't think Real Madrid would sack him but they've sacked they've sacked coaches for for less they've sacked other coaches uh, for less don't you forget last season he came he rescued them and got them to win the, the, the trophy to win La Liga the La Liga title so you should think under normal circumstances for normal clubs that operate with some element of common sense not to say real madrid doesn't operate with um, some elements of common sense but you know real madrid are always trigger happy whatever you've done the previous year doesn't seem to matter to them and then they chug you out 
so that may be what may be going on maybe he might be sacked but i think in my opinion i think he shouldn't resign he should stick at it and then next year they go again and back to the main point about the champions league group stage real madrid lost again we were beaten by Shakhtar Donetsk <laughs> um, two goals to nil. I think it was at the better bow. They lost two goals to nil. Remember this time around, had a better position, but they lost. So, there's a struggle. And then, Inter Milan was struggling as well. They almost threw away their lead. You know, they, they almost managed to snatch victory. They almost managed to snatch a defeat from the jaws of victory. Because they were two goals up, and then whatever happened, Borussia Mönchengladbach came back into the game, first goal, then equalized, and was looking like um, Borussia Mönchengladbach would win the game. And then Lukaku, you know, the much maligned Lukaku, remember when he was in Manchester United, people always find what well, we find reasons to say he's not a good player his touch is bad but everywhere he's gone he's got goals he's got goals at Anderlecht came over to Chelsea went alone to West Brom he's got goals for West Brom then he was loaned to Everton he's got goals for Everton was so finally to Everton he's got goals for Everton went back was then sold to Manchester United from Everton. You know, still was still scoring goals for Manchester United. You know, and then he's gone to Inter Milan. So there's no surprise there. He he's leading the line well for Antonio Conte. You know, despite the fact that the um, Nerazzurri, the Inter Milan side, have been struggling a wee bit by their own standards in Serie A and in obviously in the Champions League. So. Um, he got a goal for them and they won 3-2 but they're still hanging in the balance their fate is still in the hands for the people so they're hoping that they win the next game and Real Madrid at least wins against Borussia Mönchengladbach so they're still hanging in the balance over there now more fun stuff <laughs> head over to Spain you know Chelsea um, when I gave my predictions for the top two I said Chelsea should top the group at least it seems I'm, I'll get this one right now because I predicted that Chelsea would top the group and Sevilla would be the close second the second the first game and the group the drew then the scoreless draw then Chelsea went away and won cross Nadal by two goals to nil while Sevilla played against Ren and won and I think we all know the story if you're following sports you know what I'm talking about so in this fixture Chelsea went to play with play against Sevilla and Chelsea first of the game against Stad Ren the fixture before this one, Chelsea went and then they secured qualification basically for the group. They secured qualification because Sevilla won against Costa coming from two goals down. 
then go and then Chelsea got one against and rents two goals to one or one goal to two if you want to be um, very specific with how the teams are arranged in terms of um, home and away and fixtures. So this game they have played in Spain, Chelsea versus Sevilla, seem to be like the the group top, the group leader decided who's going to top the league. Chelsea or Sevilla, top, top the group rather is it Chelsea or Sevilla, and then it turned out that Chelsea indeed would go on to top um, the group because Giroud put up a show put up an absolute show an absolute show you know because you know Giroud people are saying he's old he's not as mobile as um, Tammy Abraham is definitely nowhere near as fast as rapid as Timo Werner so he started as the number nine as a main striker with Pulisic and Jose Nodoy on either side of him and he had Jorginho in the midfield, you had Kovacic in the midfield, you had Kai Havertz as well in the midfield, and then uh, at some point Mount came, Mount came on, and Hakim Zayek came on. You know, Rudiger started as well. Rudiger and Zuma started as a centre back pairing, and they were very good. Rudiger was very good. He's another person who hasn't seen as much minutes as he would, as many minutes as he would have hoped for on the. And Frank Lampard this season, so and so going back to Oliver Giroud, he scored a perfect hat trick, and plus one. You know, first goal, left foot, ball was played in. He checked on his left foot, a nice corner into the um, left hand uh, post. He scored. Then the second goal was a delightful chip. And then the third goal was a header. He scored three goals. And then there was a penalty. He took the penalty. And he scored four goals. So it was an astounding performance from the Frenchman. And you know, um, people always ask, why does Didier Deschamps like, or why is he in absolute awe? Or why is he in love with? with Olivier Giroud. Why is he in love with Olivier Giroud? Because he doesn't seem to command a starting spot at Chelsea, but each time that you have um, international fixture, he's always the first name on the list. Not just in the squad, but the starting eleven. So, he showed us, and also, there have been rumours that Olivier Giroud so I would leave in, by January because the edition has told him in order to get feet and match ready and sharp when you when the Euros come around in 2021, he should be playing regularly. Fair game. And so let's see what pans out because Tammy Abraham, I like him, he's young, he's energetic, he has an eye for goal, but he still has that killer instinct missing. You know, the killer instinct that people like Rui Van used to have, where the ball flashes across the goal, the goal post, and it scores. You know, still lacking that killer instinct. 
he still lacks that killer instinct. You know, the ball flashes up, wow, he scores. But now, against Tottenham, against Spurs, Tottenham had Spurs, he missed two goals. He didn't even get to the ball. He missed those two chances. He's still a young man. So the question is, does Oliver Giroud, you know, given his performance against Sevilla, does he start on the weekend fixtures? We get into the weekend fixtures pretty soon, but does he start? Just his next game, does he start over Tommy Abraham? Now let's <laughs> I don't know if you now we'll be talking the next thing I'll be talking about will be the Liverpool um Ajax game that saw Liverpool gain promotion. <laughs> the game promotion. What am I talking about? That saw Liverpool, you know, qualify, gain qualification for the next knockout stage. Now the game was, I think, a bit fair. Both teams, Ajax and Liverpool, seem to be taking turns to attack themselves. So it seemed to be fair and it seemed to be heading for a goalless draw. Although Curtis Jones, a Liverpool youngster, um, smashed, smashed two shots against the um, Ajax goalpost. So it seemed to be heading for a draw. But wouldn't you know what happened? The Ajax goalkeeper, oh na na, what's my name? Oh na na, what's my name? He seems to be, he, it almost seemed like he was listening to that song because an innocuous ball was put in, was crossed in to the box and he just did that annoying thing that goalkeepers do that I wonder, I ask myself, why? Why are they doing that? You know, why Why would you why not just make doubly sure? Why, does not make, why, why can't you just be sure? You don't have some... Uh, you know, some injury in your arm, your shoulder is okay. Rather than stretching out his arm to at least put the, the, the unrunning Russian striker or attacking player off, he dropped his hands and was look, watched the ball sail over his head and he was even off his line. And then Curtis Jones tapped the ball into the untended, untended um, um, net. And that was it. And then 1 0 in favor of um, Liverpool you know so let's see what will happen to Ajax will they be able to qualify for the next round let's see now the final the final topic or issue I'll be talking about with respect to the Champions League is PSG the PSG and versus Manchester United fixture you know this season, I think Manchester United has <laughs> roundly beat PSG, and it seemed like and two seasons ago, and two three seasons ago, three seasons ago, yeah, PSG. I mean, Real Madrid, Manchester United knocked out PSG. You know, they went to the Parc de Princes and basically kicked them out of the Champions League. Now. They've got their pound of flesh. They smashed Man United three goals to one. Not one goal to three because they were the always side. Now the question, now the question that comes up is, 
what's up with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and this Manchester United team? Some days they look like they've never kicked a, kicked a football in their lives, you know. And some other days they come up and they smash in four 0 You know, so what's going on with this Manchester United side? And it's almost like there's some sort of hoodoo or some voodoo that Olegon Sasha has some voodoo because the team performs so badly and inconsistently. But when it seems like when the rumors when rumors become rife and it feels and it seems like oh if he doesn't win this game, he's surely going to be sacked. But what happens? Boom boom boom. <laughs> Manchester United comes up with a win and not just like a one nil win or a two one struggling win no four nil four one you know like a resounding win that sort of sends a message to the board to the Manchester United board that okay <laughs> now Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is really Ole is really on the wheel and he's going to take this way to take this in places and then maybe after one or two games back to the same old story Back to the same, same old, same old story. So sad. So so sad. Now, I wonder what would happen to him. The, the Manchester United next fixture that is coming up this weekend is against West Ham United. Now, what happens after this game? Well, you might be shocked that. <laughs> My United may go on to smash to smash West Ham three goals to nil, and we'll say we all forget about everything that happened during midweek, and then everyone is on Ole's Ole's got the wheel on the Ole train one more time. Now we're done talking about Champions League. Let's go down to the Europa League. And talking talk, talk about spores, Tottenham hot spores. Now it's funny this season, everyone seems to be talking about how um Jose Mourinho is putting up a masterclass, he's got spores over the league, which is true for a game, he's got spores over the league with 21 points. Or with 20, 20 points in one point at top of the league. But have they been playing attractive football? No, but it, it wouldn't matter because he can win the league playing that way. But the question is, what happens when you come up against a side, a lesser known side that doesn't really want to attack you? You know, because the way Jose plays and the way he has set Spurs up to play is to play on the counter-attack. And when you decide that your team will play counter-attacking football, you take for granted that the opposition will have more of the ball, will have more possession. You know, so that will give you the opportunity to defend deep, win the ball, and play on the break, or have a fast counter-attack. But what happens when you play against, with due respect to Burnley, um, Chris Palace and the likes, what happens when they come up against those sides that decide, okay, we're not going forward, we're going to sit deep, and we're going to defend deep? 
and even that aside you know even that aside sometimes even again this so-called small small teams or lesser lesser renowned sides he spores have thrown away leads you know against them um, i think it's still fresh in everyone's memory the western game that sports was leading um comfortably and then ended up joining the game 3-3 in the europa league fixture it was against the team lask and it was like okay last sports are just going to run over them but what happened no running over here it's absolutely <laughs> no running over taking place because the game ended 3-3 3-3. Now Jose Mourinho, I don't know what he will come up to say. I don't know what he said during the press the post-match press conference or what he will say, what he has said in the uh, pre-match press conference that for for uh, um, the Premier League game. But that's it, you know. So, because you don't only play against the Manchester City because the way he plays, he counts on the opposing team having most of the ball. But what happens when you come up against teams that sit deep and place the honors on you to attack? What happens then? So, in my mind, he may not just win the league. Paul may not just win the league. I don't think that would last at the top four. Um, not the main top four, but they may not last long on, at the top of the table. May not be the league leaders for a time. May not be the league leaders for long. Let me now use this opportunity before I go on to speak further. Like I said before, Spurs are not going to be at the way table for long. Like they're not going to be at the summit of the league for long. So before I go into talking about other issues that I have to talk about today, I will give some plugs. There's a Sicily, uh, Sicily restaurant in Leeds, in Leeds. They deliver, you know, we are under COVID-19 restrictions in Leeds. This is tier three. So they, do, they deliver to your doorstep. They deliver to your doorstep. So you call them, go onto your website and place your order and you get it straight to your doorstep. Also, Juicy African Kitchen. So if you're into African food, you won't have the best of Nigerian food. Juicy African Kitchen is for you. Juicy African Kitchen definitely is for you. So go onto their website or you can call them and they'll get it delivered to you. And to Phoebe's as well, CC Continental. Those are good shops that you should be, you should look to patronize. You should be patronizing even in these hard times. You know, even as we have this situation where position where we are um, in restrictive situations where we can move out as we would love to move as we normally would move to go out to buy things of the nature so let's do that as well and of the final plug-in if you're a small business owner 
and you've been wondering how can I where can I showcase my goods and my services how can I learn some business tips to guide to help me get the best of my business to help me scale my business to help me increase turnover increase profit what platform can I have or is what platform is available where I can network with other type of with other small and medium businesses medium scale businesses to promote to grow my business Bexcon conference the Bexcon conference is coming on February on the 6th of February 2021 and it's virtual so you don't have to leave wherever you are whether you're in Manchester or you are in Spain whether you're 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 in Spain as outside the UK or you're in Nigeria in Africa or you're in the US wherever you are you don't need to travel you don't need to make any booking to travel you just need to be in front of your phone or in front of your laptop and have an internet connection and you can interact with people all over the world and you'll be you'll be having speakers that would come to give you to, to teach and impact knowledge from their wealth of experience with respect to scaling your business explo- exploiting the benefits of social media to increase your sales to increase the sales in your businesses so take advantage of this so you can go on eventbrite search for bexcon 2021 as it is bex-con2021 and you can buy your tickets and I say buy because that's just an option that comes up buy, but it's free, absolutely free. You're not charged for anything. It's just to help the organizers plan logistics, to put the logistics in place. To put their logistics in place. So before I go into a next discussion topic, I'd just like to give my prediction I might be wrong again, <laughs> wrong again. You know, like obviously I was wrong with some of the predictions I gave with respect to the Champions League groupings and who would qualify and how easy it would be when qualify. Like Real Madrid and Inter Milan are really doing my head in at this point. You know, they're really doing my head in at this point. So, quickly predictions for the fixtures, the Premier League fixtures. So the first game is Burnley Everton. <laughs> what can I say about a fixture? Burnley have been having a really hard time of it <laughs> this season. You know, they've been having a real hard time of it this season. And normally with Burnley, they're really strong, gritty, tough side, tough side, you know, Sean Dyke has really, you know, over the years established a reputation for Burnley of being the hard men of the Premier League, tough to beat, difficult for every team, whether you're Manchester City or your Fulham was just getting promotion this season, give you a run for your money. But this season hasn't been hasn't gone to script. So Burnley versus Everton and Everton started the season like a house on fire and we were like, will Everton win the league this season? You know, would this be this season they come out um, from the shadows, you know, of their um, more, should I say, I wouldn't say illustrious, but more well-known, you know, Messi side rivals, you know, that's in Liverpool. 
is, is, we're wondering, you know, James Rodriguez is, you know, was playing what seemed like he was a modern day Zidane, and you had Andre Gomez playing very well, Richarlison, you know, almost feeling like he is <laughs> he was Ronaldo da Lima. But all of a sudden, their form just plummeted. So that's an interesting game. Burnley versus Everton. That seems a very interesting game that we all should should look at, should 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 watch. I think I'll still give it to Everton though, because I feel that in a better nick of form, even if ever so slightly, than Burnley. So I would say and though Burnley are playing are played at home, I'll say Everton would nick this two goals to one. Burnley would score, you know, at their home, and with with the news of fans coming into the stadium, even if it's just a minuscule number, but could add some more, give the players some motivation. Some teams are having three thousand, four thousand fans come in, having two thousand fans come into the stadium, so that could give Burnley an extra push to get that one goal. But in the end, I'm thinking. Everton would just nick that one, two goals to one. Now we have Man City Fulham. No, Fulham got their first win. Kudos to Fulham. They got their first win this season since their promotion, you know, game 11, you know, week 11 match. <laughs> and they're just getting their first victory. They got their first victory in week 10. But they're playing against Man City, <laughs> who destroyed, <laughs> destroyed only five goals to nil last week. So I'm thinking. Man City wins again comfortably, three goals to nil. That's just my opinion. Now, this the next game. Mm, uh, it's one of those games where you, you scratch your head and say, "You think one side should you 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 certainly in favor of one team winning?" But West Ham versus Manchester United, and the way Manchester's season has gone this season. Mm. It's a tough one to call because it's so unpredictable. So I'll go. I might be wrong at the end of the day, but I'm going for a one-all draw. I'm going for one-all draw between West Ham and Manchester United. And the final game for Saturday is Chelsea versus Leeds United. That is another game that you would think Chelsea should win, but. The way Leeds United played this season, you know, so it's it's a double-edged sword. I think I should start the best way to put it. It's a double-edged sword because Leeds United play such expansive, free-flowing football that they score lots of goals. And Patrick Bamford, former Chelsea player, Nottingham Forest and Chelsea, then went alone to, to several clubs. They went alone to Burnley and then eventually Leeds United and Leeds United eventually signed Patrick Bamford. Now, they play free flame football and they score lots of goals. The question that, are, but the, on the flip side of that, like I said, it's a double-edged sword, they are left exposed as was shown in the first game of the season when they played against Liverpool Football Club, the game ended 4-3 and Liverpool won. Though whether you disagree or you agree, 
with the penalty that was awarded to Liverpool. But this it was the defensive play or lack of defensive play that left the opening for Salah to get in to the final third and then the penalty was awarded, whatever you think about that penalty. So in Chelsea Leeds United. I think there'll be goals in that game and lots of goals. So I'm thinking, because combined with the good form of Chelsea, I think Chelsea has just considered the one goal in the Premier League this season. No, no, they've kept seven clean, seven clean sheets this season. So they considered against West Brom, three goals against West Brom. They considered one goal against, they considered two goals against Liverpool. But in the last seven games, I think they've kept, they've just considered one goal. And that goal was against um they considered one goal against Spurs and that wasn't in the league it was in the Carabao Cup or what used to be known as the League Cup considered one goal so the form of the size coming in and the fact that Chelsea has better quality players than Liverpool no sorry than Leeds United you know I think Chelsea would win so I'm um, predicting my, my prediction is an odd one that's five goals to two because i think they will still chelsea would score lots of goals and at least you know, the way they're playing you can't deny the fact that they will score as well so bound to have goals we're bound to have goals lots of goals so five two so that's my prediction for the games for saturday games for saturday you know so and then let's look at the game for sunday is west brom crystal palace man west brom hasn't been the best of form though they've managed to win their first game i think but i still would give this game to crystal palace the 12 um p.m kickoff crystal palace would win this game let's see by one go to nil the Sheffield United, Leicester City, Leicester has dropped off a bit, but Sheffield United has been in horrendous, horrendous form. In fact, they haven't been in any sort of form. I think that's the best way to put it. They haven't been in any sort of form this season. So I'm giving, I'm predicting a comfortable win for Leicester City. Three goes to nil. Then you have Spurs, Arsenal, London Derby. Mm, Arsenal has been neither here nor there this season they've been having an arsenal type each season where they they look like they'll be awesome they'll play some good football and then afterwards they just struggle struggle and struggle to qualify for the europa league so they play coming up against spurs let's see Mourinho versus miguel ateta i'm thinking that game will be a draw i'm going go for a 2-2 draw liverpool wolves the next game that'll be on Sunday, that will be 7 15. Liverpool, Wolves, I'm going for a Liverpool win. I would much rather prefer Wolves win against Liverpool, but just have to go with my head here. So I'm thinking Liverpool would win by three goals to one. And the final game of the match week, not of the weekend, of the match week, because it will be played on Monday, that's Brighton, Southampton. I'm going for another high-scoring draw. The two goals, that'll be two-two. That'll be two-two draw. 
now um we're done with we've, now that we've got the prediction the week 11 uh, match day predictions out of the way there's something i was listening to talk sport and simon jordan or something the former owner of um, crystal palace was having a discussion with jim white with respect to the new rules that have been brought in or at least are being proposed by the efl and the premier league that will be submitted to the home office for their acceptance and ratification given what as a fallout from the negotiations from the pre-exit negotiations um because the way things may pan out maybe there may be no trade deal and as the you know because there's an let there was an 11 month period for negotiations to take place so at the end of the negotiation process which will be on the first of january i think if citizens would lose citizens wouldn't have the rights they have now in the uk that they can leave travel you know to the uk without the need for a special visa application you know and that even applies to footballers as well you know chelsea for instance could sign a german player from stuttgart and we don't need to talk about uh, match points you know we don't have to look up talk about if it's play for internet for german international side or 75 percent of national team games in the last three years and all those types of considerations you know you don't have those type of consideration normally that's what is in force at this moment but at the heart of this proposal because the efl premier league i think the fa as well is that one clubs premier league clubs efl clubs will be restricted will, will not, not restricted will no longer be able to sign players to the academies who are younger than 18 years as one not 18 years and then any European player signed would have to meet the points the normal immigration points and requirements you know you're playing for what country are you playing for what national team are you you know the number of games you've played you know in the last maybe two years or three years so all those things will be taken into consideration to decide if you would be given immigration you know immigrant immigration status short of like a work workers visa as anyone else would be given now for me i feel break exit is a mistake that's my that's my feeling that's, that's just my own feeling because I feel Brexit was something that wasn't needed. You know, I'm not going to go into the politics of what I think about it. I'll just talk about sports maybe in some other episode of Ugo's Take of the show. I would probably um, talk about it. But for now, even with this rule they're talking about, there's no point. Doesn't make any sense. Okay. You say premiership clubs should promote young players and the, there's some merits to it the only merit is that you want to give more opportunities for young english players young british players to be promoted to gain first minutes for their various clubs and also 
you know, and as, a, as an offshoot of that, be noticed by the um, English national team selectors, i.e. Gareth Southgate and his assistant coaches, and hence get invitation to the national team and essentially become a supply line for the English national team. And hopefully that will see the English national team do well in the Euros, do well in the World Cup, do well in the UEFA Nations League and things like that. Fine sentiment, but you don't need this rule. Last season, Chelsea under Frank Lampard promoted, gave up to eight or nine players first minutes without this law, without this policy, without any such policy. You know, same thing, Phil Foden is now playing regularly for Manchester City without any such policy. But then again, there's something I want to point out. Years ago, there used to be this argument against young English players that they are mollycoddled, you know, they're wrapped in cutting wool. They don't leave the comfort of their homes, the comfort of their local areas. So if an opportunity doesn't come up in Manchester City or doesn't come up in, in Leeds or doesn't come up in, uh, in Manchester United, doesn't come up in Chelsea, then their careers are over. They can't make it anywhere. But you're seeing young players typified by Jason Sancho go to Dortmund not only become phenomenal players for Dortmund and also they also play for for the English national team. There's no law saying if you play for the English national, if you play for a foreign club, you can no longer play for your national team. There's no law that says that. But it has also helped him grow as a man. Make those decisions, get off your comfort zone, go to Germany and you play. And it's, it's outstanding for them still he's able to come to the Premier League, I mean to the national team, and be phenomenal for the English national side. So the issue, the argument that people always want to hammer on, as Simon Jordan was saying, Simon Jordan said, Johnson, but I know it's Simon, that, oh, the players, uh, this is a good thing because you cannot allow um, English, the uh, Premier League clubs, championship clubs to promote young players from the Premier League to the um, from the academies to the Premier League and that would mean more players for England for me it doesn't hold water and one thing people don't get is when you introduce a point based system would you think we'll be able to get the best talent would you think we'll be able to get those best talent because there are some European players that are very good but they haven't been spotted by their own national team selectors, so they have not—they haven't been able to meet the point-based criteria, or will not be able to meet at that point the point-based criteria of having played 75% of games for their national team, X, Y, Z, and things like that. And those are the players that maybe a Burnley will be able to sign. They're good players. In, able to sign and add to the quality of their team but now 
with the recession you're bringing in, it then means because definitely it won't just be national teams. The number one you, you play for your national teams that will be considered the quality of the national team, which I feel is just borderline discriminatory. The quality of the national team. So maybe your Spain, your Germany, your France, you know, will be at the top tier. You know, your Germany, your France, and likes will be at the top tier. And when you you've now reduced the recruitment pool, it means only the top clubs, Manchester United, with the, when I say top clubs, clubs with the, with big with big budgets. Manchester United, Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal, just a Bexton, will be able to afford these players because you're now reducing the recruitment pool. And when you're talking about promoting players to first team, is not connected to or has no nexus with nationality of players. If a coach doesn't have doesn't have the mindset of including young players or players 18 and younger or players 20 and younger in his first team squad, he won't do it. Whether you have 50 English players in the academy or 100 English players in the academy, that wouldn't make him promote them into the into the team. For me. I think if you want players to be promoted and to get game time, there are two things that should be done. Probably will be discussed in another episode. One, have a league where you have these pe- uh, young players, academy players, play men's football, maybe against semi-pro sides or league two sides and they gain the experience. Or, or and or you could, you could have both substitution should be increased to six players six players so you have three players pro- that will be brought in that could be members of the first team squad already and then you have three other players that would be compulsory that will be compulsorily academy players players 18 and younger or yeah players 18 and younger academy players that so you have six subs so the likes of the club Lampard that have been complaining about substitutions and having to rest players that could assuage them so for me all in all this talk of um reducing the number of foreign players you can sign of European players you can sign a point-based system and only sign six um, non-UK players who are, who are even 18 years and younger for me it doesn't really it's it's a rule that's not needed it's not really needed the other day I was watching Chelsea Chelsea's academy play on the 18th side play against Barnsley all the players on the pitch all the players on the pitch <laughs> were all eligible to play for England all the players on the pitch and this is without 
any law, any restrictive law or whatever. All the players from Liver from Liveramento to although the name is sound Italian, but Liveramento, um Marcel Lewis, Lewis Bates, Sunop, they're all English boys. So and this was done without having any special rule regulation. You know, because the more you make things restrictive, then you only create more room for the big boys, teams with the biggest budgets to dominate the leagues even further. Let's look at Adama Traore. Adama Traore is Spanish at this point, uh, though born to Malian parents, but Spanish. And going by this rule, you wouldn't have seen a player like Adama Traore. You wouldn't have seen him because he just made his debut for the Spanish national team not too long ago. So he hasn't met the 75% of games. But now you see he's a revelation. He's a special type of player, powerful, pacey. If you watch the Premier League, follow the Premier League, you know exactly what he brings to the table. And a team like Wolves have benefited from his services. You know, so for me, all these restrictive rules are not really, not really important. And not really needed, you know, at this, at this point or at any point whatsoever. Because, like I said, if a coach isn't youth-minded, you can have 200 million young players in the team and he wouldn't use them. So you just have players there. And this mentality should be stopped. This mentality of, oh, we don't want to train players for other countries. What do you mean? Really? You don't want to train players for other countries? Okay, what happens if a player, let's say, he was born in, let's say a player born in Burnley, you know, to an American father and a German mother, and the fact that he was born in the UK and all that, he then gains British citizenship. What happens there? And then, while he's in the academy, and he turns 17, he gets invited by the English under 17 side, and he gets invited by the US under 17 side, and gets invited by the German under 17 side. If he then opts to play for Germany or for USA, what then happens? Do you mean he will be removed? from the club where he is because maybe he would have exceeded the quota is that what will be done no 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 so i think i'll talk more on this in the next episode so i want to say thank you all for listening follow me on twitter at steak ugo like my facebook page it's ugo steak Follow me on Instagram at Ugo Steak. It's U G O S underscore T A K E. You can send me an email to Ugo Steak at coolsite.net. And every week, come to my Facebook page and there's something lovely for you to see. Before I say bye bye, Christmas is in the air. 
show love be happy and keep safe bye bye